This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we would agree <laughs> on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergeth. Thanks for joining us once again for the podcast. Sean Bolson joining us uh, on the telephone uh, this morning. And Sean, you know, it's a good day to be a Minnesota Twins fan. With Joe Maurer going into the Baseball Hall of Fame on the first ballot. For my money, I, I thought he was a Hall of Fame. I didn't think it was first ballot. That seems to be kind of a special designation, and I wasn't sure that a Minnesota guy in flyover country would get the recognition, but he did. That's that's really special for him to get in on the first ballot. Yeah, it is. I uh, I was reading about it this morning, and I saw, you know, he was trending in the 85% range, and he yeah. ended up closer to the 75%, but still, to get in first ballot, I always thought, you know, he had a great career. You know, I thought it was maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, on the low key. He had a chance to go to the Yankees and the Red Sox and decided to stay home. So I wasn't sure he was going to get the national attention he did. But uh, what a what an honor. What yeah. a great thing to get in the first ballot. That's, that's a really big deal. It doesn't happen all the time unless nope. somebody had an unbelievable career. But you saw him always wanted to be a catcher and then realized to prolong his career, he moved and, he, you know, continued to resurrect his career and, just had a had a really great career for the Twins and and now gets uh, you know recognized for being a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I uh, I was traveling with Matt Williams last night, my color man and former Cardinal boys basketball coach, huge baseball guy, and he said he saw a stat where there was a nine year period uh, where if you took the WAR, which is wins above replacement, which a lot of the voters look at these days, Maurer had a dominant nine year stretch. He had the best WAR in baseball for that nine year period from two thousand three to. 12 I think it was or 11 and they was still catching then and then he went moved to first base after that so he really had a dominant decade again but for me it was just as much I wasn't sure that a flyover country guy you know would get in on on the first ballot so they do recognize they do look at all the numbers and and uh Maurer uh, Hall of Famer uh without a doubt yeah it was and you know I even heard that the clip about how Max Scherzer couldn't strike him out, and he only struck out once against him. And, and uh, he basically created a pitch, and they asked him about it. And it was one, and when he struck him out, and he goes, you know what, I need to figure out how to strike out this guy. And it was a pitch he ended up using. So at the plate, Joe Maurer was the epitome of discipline and just, you know, not swinging at bad pitches and, yep. and, and making pitchers uh, come to him. And, you know, the, the stat about he, what he struck out once in high school, yeah. uh, you know, his entire high school career. So, you know, really did some nice things at the plate and was a really solid defensive center. And then, you know, when he moved to the field and, and uh, DH, you know, he just really did what you wanted him to do. So yep. Yep. fun to see a local kid that probably could have played multiple professional sports yeah. uh, pick baseball because he wanted a nice long career and, and uh, accomplished everything. So, yeah, that was pretty exciting. Yeah, he was offered a scholarship to play quarterback at, was it Florida State? Yeah, I thought it was one of yeah. the Florida schools, something the, like that. They had the Creighton-Durham Hall connection, you know, yeah. with Wanky. And, oh, that's right. Uh, the that's guy, right. Yeah, and, and so uh, he chose baseball, and boy, it worked out pretty well for him. All right, you're young, older than Maurer is a little bit? He came yeah, up. I think I'm a, okay. a little bit older than him, yeah. Yeah, so I called his games against Wilmer in, I want to say it was the either the Babe Ruth or the VFW State Tournament back in, like, 97. 
and uh, or 98. He was 15 years old at the time. So uh, I was in Alexandria uh, calling those games, and Wilmer had a chance to play him. And, and I think he hit two home runs against us. I don't remember specifics, but I've had Tom DeBoer uh, talk to me about it somehow, uh, you know, because he was on that team and played against him. The one thing I definitely remember is how much bigger Maurer was than every other kid uh, on the field yeah. that day and how smooth he was athletically. It was just amazing. Yeah, and I mean to have that uh, that size and and how smooth and how disciplined and power and you know he could hit singles, he could hit doubles, and he could take it over the fence and just defensively was just you know awesome. So that's a rare combination that we had here, and to see him be able to uh, you know be a top pick for the uh, uh, Twins and just kind of you know ride out his career here, that was that was pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, you bet. He, Kirby Puckett, Rod Carew, the three twins who've gone in uh, to Hall of Fame on the first ballot. Uh, Maurer, uh, Pudge Rodriguez, and uh, one other catcher, the only catchers to go in on the first ballot. His name is escape, Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench. So only three catchers to go in on the first ballot. So a really exclusive company uh, for Maurer. And, you know, congratulations to him. Uh, let's talk hockey a little bit. Uh, the Wild have won three in a row. Sean, they're starting to play a little bit better here. They were. I wasn't optimistic about this four-game road trip. It was a three-game road trip because, you know, they got beat, what, 7-2, to two, I believe, at, at Tampa to kick it off. And I'm mm-hmm. like, now they're going to a good Florida team, good Carolina team. Well, they ended up uh, getting both of those, and then they got the Capitals last night at home. So, Gustafson, you know, has played played better the last couple games. He had, a, you know, over a 90 percentage again last night mm-hmm. and uh yeah they're getting some scoring we saw Kaprizov dabble in a hat trick uh we've seen you know some of the others you know Johansson had a big goal last night and uh, others contributing and, and the defense is shirt up a little bit you know when we did get that win against uh Florida and Carolina you know we were really outplayed for parts of the game but uh defensively we did all right Gustafson really helps the defense when he's playing like he is and and they've gotten off to uh a little three-game win streak, which is kind of fun to see because they're going to need that. You know, I believe they pulled uh, what twenty-one, twenty-one, and five, or something like that. So they're yeah. right, you know, at five hundred. Um, we said, you know, well, that's kind of what we expected, but it was the train was headed the wrong way for a while, and this uh, little three-game stretch has kind of brought them back to, you know, having some positive things to build on. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not telling you anything. It's a little deceptive uh, the 500 uh, for the Wild because those five, the OT, those are actually losses yep. in overtime. Correct. Uh, nonetheless, uh, they, they've got a little ways to go, uh, but right now they're only what am I looking at? Uh, two points behind Arizona uh, for the last wild card spot. So that's right. They're not they're not buried in the standings. They are in terms of getting a top three in their division. They're 15 points behind third place Dallas. But but they're hanging right in there in terms of actually getting into the postseason. They are. And, you know, we've seen this uh, with them before, and unfortunately they're right in the area where we've been many, many times before, where if you go on a two-game winning streak, you're in, and if you go on a two-game losing streak, you're out. You know, I think we're going to be battling that at the end of the season. And But we needed these three wins to get back into that uh, contention spot, and, and that's where we are. So it's just going to be a matter of, we can stay healthy if Gustafson can continue to roll and if we can continue to score the puck because at times we've uh, struggled scoring and we've mm-hmm. given up goals and that's not a very good combination. No, oh, that's for sure. Hey, you know, you know the college hockey game uh, really well. Also, did you think that Brock Faber would come from the Gophers to the Wild and be as effective as he has been? Well, it's interesting because he's playing way more power play minutes for the Wild than he did for Moscow at the U. Mm-hmm. And he has just been in our goal last night. 
he just he's so uh, so calm at the blue line, and his skating is just you know they've really put him in spots where you get to see the talent of this kid, and you get to see his feet. And, you know, that little subtle move where he can come in and then he can take a stride back and kind of do it all in the same motion to be aggressive but yet defensively responsible um, and playing the kind of minutes he's playing. Um, you know, you knew when he was at the U he was going to be, you know, a good player. But, you know, for the Wild to use him and, and even showcase him more essentially than Moscow did at the U, really impressive to see him putting up the numbers and playing how he's playing. Yeah, he's tied for second on the team in assists with Kaprizov trailing only uh, Zuccarello. He has 24 assists uh, this season. Uh, so, you know, he helps on, on both ends. Uh, is he a physical guy? Is he is he able to stand up at the blue line? Well, I mean, yeah, he can be physical. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a, you know, a, a Ryan Reese or a Dustin sure. Bufflin who's going to just go in and start mowing people over. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a whole, he's, uh, you know, he, he, he can hold his own. And uh, he's just very solid on his skates, and he just makes really good hockey plays. He has good hockey sense. And, you know, he makes things happen when he's out there, you know, what you see with his, you know, 24 assists. That's extremely impressive for a guy that, you know, came off a uh, college season, jumped right into the lineup last year, and then, you know, this is his, you know, first full year of, of really being in the mix, and, and he's just really succeeding at a, at a really nice level. He you get these kind of guys, and they look like they're you know ten year defensemen on yeah. the uh, in the league, and and uh, to have him here is really helping us. Kaprizov has come along here of late. Also, he he really kind of started the season pretty slow, but uh, he's really come on. Is it possible he was kind of playing through an injury or something? Well, I'm not sure what it was, but he was turning the puck over a lot. Yeah. Recently, we've seen him. He's not turning the puck over as much, and he's just you know he's putting the puck in the net and he's playing well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's pressing, feeling like he has to do things, I think he tries to make that Superman play and, and turns it over. And if you turn it over at that level, it's going to go the other way and end up in the back of your net quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seeing him kind of play a little bit more within the system and uh, chances are com- coming to him. And when they're here, you know, he, he's taking advantage of them. So that's what we need from him. We know that he's a bona fide superstar scorer. And uh, as people around him continue to play well and he makes good decisions, I think we're going to see him succeed. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's talk uh, NFL draft a little bit. Mel Kuyper came out with his first mock draft of the year uh, yesterday. And, you know, some people think Mel is just kind of a blowhard. I kind of like him. The guy is really intelligent. And so I follow him when, when he comes out with his mock. I wanted to see it, not his player rankings, which he's been out with for a while. And he has the Vikings taking a cornerback out of Clemson named Nate yep. Wiggins with the 11th pick. And, and uh, because he believes everything he's hearing right now, the Vikings are going to re-sign Kirk Cousins, and then he he doesn't believe they'll pair that with a first-round quarterback pick. They might try and get a quarterback, but that it won't be in the first round. I saw the 33rd team came out with their mock draft yesterday as well. That's a bunch of former NFL coaches. Mike Zimmer was a part of that group uh, for a while, and they have the Vikings pretty much the same reasons, but taking uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, cornerback from Alabama with the 11th pick, and the same thing in their write-up. They also are hearing the Vikings are going to uh, come to an agreement with Kirk Cousins and and not look for a first round quarterback. Uh, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, I, I'm okay with that because I don't think we can really get what we want where we're at. Okay. Um, the capital it would take to move up to, you know, some are saying one, two, three, you know, maybe top five to get one of those three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think we can do that. Um, we do have glaring needs, and you know, cornerback is one of them. Yeah. 
um, you know, defensive line. I'd like to see somebody too, but you can't get it all. So, do you take a you know a cornerback, somebody hopefully that can you know bolster your secondary, and then you know maybe have the option to move up late first round to get one of those two guys? Because I'm not sure that you know that Penix or McCarthy are gonna you know they're not worthy in my opinion of an 11th uh, overall pick. Yeah, fair but, enough. But you know, do yeah. they do they slip, and are we able to? to slip into the late first round to get one of them. I wouldn't hate that. Sure. But, you know, resending Cousins, it opens the window just a little bit of the need of having to get somebody, you know, that you like right now. And the one thing I'm hearing over and over, if you're going to take a quarterback with that high of a pick, you can't like him. you got to really love him. Okay. And yeah. I'm not sure they're in love with either of those guys right now to take him at the 11. And so, you know we, we need help on defense. We need help in the secondary. So if that's where we go, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that. There's another guy getting a lot of uh, mock draft to the Vikings. Is this, I can't say his name, but his last name is Leitu, uh, edge rusher for UCLA. Uh, so, no, I'd be fine with that too. You know, and like you said, maybe they trade back into the late first round uh, like the Ravens did and got Lamar Jackson with the first pick or the last pick of the first round or Maybe they wait into the second round, and Bo Nix is still there from Oregon, a developmental quarterback uh, behind Cousins. But, you know, I'm kind of with you. That 11 pick, unfortunately, they wound up kind of in the middle ground, not high enough to get one of the real uh, possible program changers, too high to take guys with more question marks, like the guys that you referenced with Panic and McCarthy and, and, and uh, the Oregon QB, Bo Nix. So, yeah, I'm with you. They either are going to trade or they're going to take defense, it would seem like. Yeah, I think that worked okay for Baltimore too. Slide yes, back I, in yeah, against uh, Lamar, and you know, <laughs> just you know, the bottom line is this: Quazy, as much as we're optimistic, and he's the analytics guy and all this, he's been brutal in yeah, the draft. Yeah, I mean, he did get Addison. You know, we Addison's a number two, going to be a number two for us for a while, but he needs to draft better because our, our draft picks uh, in the in the past couple of years have not been great. Nope, they have not, and we we need. You know, to uh, to draft well because we can see you, you can't afford to miss on three of your four picks. Yep. Uh, you know, in your top rounds, um, you can't, and we've missed them. Yep. Um, you know, we have guys that we've spent a lot of draft cap on that you know probably aren't even going to be on the team next year. The teams that are winning, the teams that are uh, you know making a push, they're not missing on those picks. So he has to, him and his team have to get better. Uh, and we need a better draft this year, and we do need, you know, players at at most positions. So if we're going to re-sign Cousins, he's got to sharpen his pencil and figure out where we're going, and we have to make these guys stick. And J.J., remember, if they sign him too, uh, they are going to be in salary cap trouble, so they really need to draft well. If you have a lot of really high-paid guys, you have to draft well to fill out the lower-paid end of your roster, so I couldn't agree more. Quasi needs to have a good draft. Yep. I, I agree, and this is a year. This is a big year, and there's some talent in the draft this year. So they yep. need to find it. They win. We need to plug it into uh, some gaping holes that the Vikings have, of which the secondary is one of them. Yep. So if it's going to be a cornerback, great. I will never ever pass up a good edge rusher right now in today's NFL. Uh, as much as teams are throwing the ball, uh, to have a uh, you know a big time edge rusher is a big deal and a big part of your team. So. Um, those are two areas that, you know, if we're not going to go quarterback, I, I'm uh, I'm very good with us finding somebody as long as we find the right people. Yep, that's right. Uh, Chiefs at Ravens on uh, Sunday. Who you like? Well, I like the Ravens. I like okay. Josh Allen and the Bills, but, boy, they uh, didn't figure that out against yep. the Chiefs. 
I was a little disappointed. I got sick of seeing, uh, uh, you know, Taylor Swift and Mahomes' <laughs> wife. Uh, how many times? Uh, yeah. it, you know, I, I did like Jason Kelsey with the shirt off. He seems like that the was kind funny. Of guy yeah. Every single team would want. Yep. You know, had an unbelievable, great career and just a great dude. Yeah. But uh, I, I was cheering hard for the Bills. Uh, you know. Minus Diggs, I really like uh, all the personalities on the Bills team. <laughs> and Josh Diggs. Allen has kind of kind of been my favorite player. I just really like, you know, as I've told you before, I think Brett Favre is the uh, – if, if there was a picture in the dictionary of an NFL player, I loved everything that Favre brought. Uh, Allen reminds me a little bit of him, maybe a little too much gunslinger mentality at times, mm. but so much talent and such a big guy, really – like that, and and it was you know there was a lot of things that went wrong. And then you had a missed field goal, and and uh, you know the Chiefs got by. But I don't think the Chiefs are the Chiefs that we've seen win Super Bowls in the past years. I do think Lamar Jackson has that team playing at a uh, pretty incredible level. And to be honest, uh, I don't know that the Niners are just going to walk through the Lions either because the Niners the Niners have been good, but yeah. they haven't been dominant by any means. So right. I would be pulling right now for a Raven. Lions Super Bowl. Ah, I can't pull for the Lions. Even though I have people in Detroit, uh, right? I, I, I have family from Detroit. They're all Lions fans. I was pulling for the Lions this last week. I can't pull for the Lions to win this week because if they make the Super Bowl, they might win. And if they win the Super Bowl ahead of the Vikings, I don't think I could ever go to another family reunion in my entire life because I've done nothing but laugh at the Lions for my entire life. And then they're going to win a Super Bowl ahead of the Vikings. I can't have the Lions in the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, Sean. They might win. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. But <laughs> but the Lions playing how they are, Jordan Love playing how he is, the Bears with the number one pick, and Fields, uh, the Vikings are going to have to improve. You yep. look at our division now. Uh, we, we we're probably the third or fourth best team in that division. So yep. uh, yeah, I don't think the Lions are here just this year and then going away the same old laughable Lions. When you look at the the schedule, and you think, you know what? Well, there's two wins for us. Where are we going to get the rest of ours? That's that's in the past. So, uh, I think you know, Goff's playing at a good level. Their running game is outstanding. They have a great receiver. Their their defense is still questionable. That is the knock on them. But man, the NFC North just got a lot better this year. Boy, it sure did. And uh, now here are the Bears sitting at the top with an opportunity to take Caleb Williams. And I I, I keep hearing that they're going to do just that. So. Boy, you have uh, some outstanding young QBs in the division, too, if Caleb Williams comes in. You do. You really do. And, you know, we're very fortunate right now because when you look at at Lamar, you look at Josh Allen, you look at Mahomes, you you know, and you look at Joe Burrow, you have unbelievable uh, quarterbacks in the AFC. So the NFC is definitely the weaker of the two conferences, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But you look at the NFC North, uh, yeah, it got a lot better. You have a lot of uh, good young quarterbacks now, and you have teams in position in the draft that even get stronger. So uh, it's interesting what will be to come in the NFC North going yeah. forward. Sean, thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Todd. Sean Bolson joining us here on the Todd and Friends Podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.